Drew Alpern, the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. It's often said, listener, that to make the message in a fortune cookie particularly amusing, it's often said that you can add the words in bed to the end of it. So, for example, if you have a, uh, a fortune that says you will have a lot of friends, that becomes you're going to have a lot of friends in bed. And if it says you will enjoy razor-sharp spiritual vision, then that means that you enjoy uh, razor-sharp spiritual vision in bed. I think we all know what that means. Uh, in the case of this edition of the podcast, however, Eno Saris, that's the uh, editor of Rotographs and contributor at every one of Fangraph's uh, three sites, uh, Eno Saris actually is in bed. Uh, he is in bed, and uh, together we talk for uh, about 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, about matters germane to the fantasy owner, including, uh, for example, Fangraphs Plus, which is due out uh, in the not very distant future, including as well... Uh, some conversation with regard to Auto New, and in particular the Auto New roster deadline that's approaching it's January 31st. Don't forget that if you are in an Auto New league. And uh, finally, uh, Justin Upton, Beer, and um, I guess Eno Saris's capacities as a father, limited capacities. It is Fangraphs Audio does feature Rotographs editor Eno Saris in bed, and it begins right now. Prime content right here. Uh, Vincent Price says he's interested in your content. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I am <laughs> still in bed. <laughs> great, <laughs> great. It is. Wait, what are we saying here? Um, yeah, it's just nine a.m. where you are, you know. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to be still in bed at nine a.m., but when you've got a nine-month-old. It is an amazingly big deal. And the only reason it's possible is because we're at family and they take the baby. Yes, especially maybe the morning shift. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> How you doing? This is this might be the first podcast from bed. I don't know if we've ever done this before. <laughs> That's hard to believe considering our uh, our roster. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Uh, Dane, uh, Dane has, um, at times been upset that he, that he wasn't in bed while we were conducting it. <laughs> and he certainly talks about his conduct in the bedroom. Oh, yes. Um, but to the best of my knowledge. Oh, oh, from there. <laughs> yeah. To the best of my knowledge, he's never, right, he's never done it from there. Uh, well, we'll make this, how about, let's make this easy for you, you know, okay? We'll get to, uh, we'll do, we'll get to brass tacks immediately. How's that sound? That sounds great. First, would you like to do some, um, shall we do some um, uh, uh, thinly disguised advertisement for for Fangraphs Plus? Tempting. Yeah. I don't, I'm not I'm calling it that. Thinly disguised advertising. I think it's fine. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a project about which I think you're excited. You're probably excited to be done with uh, <laughs> because you are the person who, who is in charge of it and you have to deal with people um, like the host of this podcast for example um who uh, are not who's not done <laughs> who's not done yeah yeah it's all well it's all up here it's all up here pointing to okay pointing to my head uh <laughs> it's been crafted but that this thing is coming out when is it when has it come out when when does it usually come out when is it coming out um it's a it's an early february thing and uh it will be again um 
I'm not quite done editing all the player casters, uh, over 1,100 of them, which is kind of amazing considering how many actual players there are. Um, well, yeah, because what, at any, at any time, uh, there's now more than really 700 or 800. So this is more than there yeah. are players at any given time in the majors. Yeah, and the reason we do that is because we, we have uh, over 150 prospects, um, and then we also we have player caps for players that are playing in Japan. We do. So, yeah, we're, yeah, we're very <laughs> fair. <laughs> who do, who, who's playing in Japan that we have? Uh, just, just, just in case they come back, or is there a is there what is there a Tuffy Rhodes uh, player cap? No, no, no. More players that just went over that we thought might not go over there. So Vincente Padilla, as, for an example. Oh, okay. But that's a great example too because, you know, how many, how many fantasy uh, publications out there even thought that Vincente Padilla was worth writing anything about? Well, I guess right. Like there is a nice feeling uh, if, as a um, fantasy owner, when when you can read a profile regardless of what the profile says. I mean, in certain cases, right, It's you're probably reading it, and, and the only purpose of it is just to to see it verify what you already suspected. Yeah, yeah, and there are enough borderline cases where, you know, somebody might be getting excited about a reliever, you know, when we can tell them, you know, probably his role is, you know, to get lefties out or something like that, so... You know, it's, I think thoroughness is is a, is a virtue, um, and you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of fun caps out there. They're kind of little diamonds in the rough, where you know you'll just be looking at a player page for what for a non-fancy reason, perhaps, um, and you'll look at the cap and you'll get a little laugh. I think so. Um, well, I do know, for example, that uh, it is very difficult for Matt Clausen. Uh, it is very difficult to, for him to hide his um, feelings about the Kansas City Royals. I know this has been the—I haven't seen his, his um, caps from this year, but I do know that in the past uh, there there is like a sense of like, real struggle for him in composing these. <laughs> yeah, that definitely comes out in his writing. Yeah, um, and I I definitely laugh a lot with his. It's snarky, but it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and uh, so we add on top of that, so those are the player caps. This year, um, we've added something new, which I think fans owners really like. We uh, are creating auction value. So oh. we're going to have, um, and we have, you know, we, we, today we previewed uh, Chad Young's piece with the auction value um, for AutoMute, for all three AutoMute formats. Um, and those are based on Bill James. And he's got, uh, what's really cool is not only does he have like a startup league, price for a player, but then he tried, uh, which is, it's almost impossible, but he tried to have like an inflated value um, for leagues that have already been around for a while. So, uh, uh, right. Well, because that's a challenge, know. right? If you, because it's obviously the case that um, you, if it's if it's a keeper league, not everyone is starting from scratch. Typically, owners have um, kept the players from whom they're extracting some value and then, of course, gotten rid of you know, whichever, you know, this sort of chaff um, or overpriced people, whatever. Um, and so you are, so at that point, there is a sense where there's a, where you're uh, going to overspend um, relative to a player's actual talent. Does that, yeah, and, that's and a sensible this, comment, this, yeah. 
And what yeah, and what uh, what uh, what makes it difficult for me to league is that you kind of have to assume a certain level of play, like a certain level of um, erudition, I guess, because you know if if just say your league was bad and everyone was keeping you know seventy five dollar um, Alfonso Sorianos, then you'd have some sort of weird deflation. So that's what makes it so difficult. Is every league has a different sort of level of play and 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 different values and and so <clears throat> you know he tried his best and I think it it's very useful at least to have a range and then um, and then also if your team is uh, competitive I think you can look at an inflated price and say you know what my guy's three dollars over but I think I can win this year so I'm going to overpay for that one guy you know for whatever reason uh, which of course affects the amount of available money and available talent. So and and therefore affects um, the inflated price. But uh, I think that he did a really good job on that. And then we we've got some Oliver based um, option values coming for you know standard leagues, mixed mixed leagues, AL only, um, OBP leagues. So we're going to have those on the projections leaderboards and in the player capsule. So um, those will be readily sort of available uh, to Fangraphs Plus users. And then, of course, the large array of, of research pieces. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. Now, with regard, you said that Chad Young's, um, his auction value prices are based off of the Bill James projections. Uh, I yeah. think it's I, I think it's generally the case uh, that the, the Bill James projections skew optimistic. However, um, is it possible that because he's comparing them to each other, that this is... Um, this effect is neutralized? That's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, I guess, well, you know what? It's, it's an inexact science, no matter what, because the, the it's really hard to find a replacement level um, in autumn year because you have these 40-man rosters, but you have, which makes it feel like a deep league. Um, it's a very deep roster, but you're only starting five outfielders and a middle infielder. Um, so, and it's only 12 teams. So, you know, on some level you only need this many players that are, you know, how many players are actually rostered and what the replacement player look like. The replacement player, if you define it as what I can get off the wire, looks uh, pretty bad. I mean, if people have, you know, all sorts of backups on their, on their team. So if you define it just as what a dollar player off the wire look like, then you're going to have a really low replacement level. But if you define a replacement level player as, you know, someone that's not actively rostered, you know, not 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 accruing points for teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, um, yeah. Us there, then you've got a different level of replacement level. And then, yes, the, the projection system will sort of have its own replacement level. But, yeah, hopefully, you know, since he's doing it with the replacement level um, idea in mind, then there will be some mitigation for the fact that Bill James um, sometimes seems positive, very positive. And I think that one thing that won't come out in the wash is that the Bill James projections really do like um, rookies. Yes. And, uh, so I'm not sure that that will necessarily. So there might be a little bit of a you know rookie excitement built into those auction values. Right, the young players who have not been. Uh... Burdened by the cares of life, <laughs> Bill James. Right. Uh, people, 
they haven't had to to sneak phone calls uh, away at uh, 9 a.m. <laughs> hiding in hiding in a bedroom. Well, that that is exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> the um, it's um, and actually to 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 add that to that point, I know that one uh, feature that I uh, have enjoyed uh, in recent years at Rotographs is uh, Zach Sanders. Um, Zach Sanders, uh, I guess, valuations, and because he's always using, I, I, I'm sure I should have thought about it before, um, but but he's um, pretty good at constructing uh, a replacement level for, you know, at least for this specific model of fantasy league that, that he's discussing. But you can you can also make uh, certain conclusions about it yourself, you know, by adjusting it a little bit. But this idea of replacement level, um, I guess they could say it's a little bit of a moving target, but it is interesting to have some idea of it, or it's it's important to have some idea of it. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting to bring that up because um, the auction value based on Oliver will be uh, using Zach's calculator, but we refined it a little bit um, because – because of looking at replacement level, and you know, one thing we did was look at just exactly how many players uh, were above replacement level, and how much um, those players would cost compared to how much um, auction budget there was. So that was a way that we found to sort of internally test the auction value this off season. And um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the results of that test are. Um, I think that we will, you know, some people have said that our top values are a little bit um, light. But I have two responses to that. One is uh, I'm not sure that there's ever such a thing as a $50 player in a regular $260 um, sort of mixed league auction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second response is um, we may have a dollar or two to give to the top guys. Um, based on the results of the sort of internal testing we did this offseason. So we're trying to refine those. And also, I think that the top, top guys go for too much in a lot of options. Right. You know, is that because of, um, is that because of the phenomena we discussed just a couple minutes ago because people are filling certain spaces? Or is that just because of a sort of maybe um, overzealous enthusiasm or trust uh, fantasy owners will have in the best players to reproduce their best seasons. Yeah, yeah, I think that the idea is that they're paying for security, and the the first rounders are all no doubts. But you know, I think you can look at last year's round and find a lot of uh, quote unquote busts. Perhaps their their floor was a little bit higher, but um, there were definitely busts. And, and you know, just look at a guy like Chortulowski, who was a first rounder last year um, and didn't very, play very much. I think um, I think you can tell that, that you know injury is not just a pitcher thing, and you know just to think that much of your two hundred sixty dollar uh, you know budget into one player is, is just a ton of risk. And I and I just I don't know if it's more biased, but I, I I favor sort of spreading out risk and trying to have you know three thirty dollar players instead of you know or, or three. Yeah, well, I know that I encountered that uh, uh, last year in, in our Auto New League. Uh, you know, I had uh, Evan Longoria, um, who, you know, on paper was worth quite a bit of money going into the season. And, of course, as a, you know, as a uh, position player, you don't necessarily expect that, um, you know, there would be, you expect nagging injuries. But, you know, he had pretty good uh, track record of health leading up to that. Um, 
that was quite a bit of money for me. And, uh, you know, team did well overall, uh, but Longoria, uh, Longoria was a problem. There was a hole there. There was a big hole. Eno Saris, there was a big hole. Uh, let me ask you, uh, with and regard you came up just short, didn't you? Wow, a lot of pleasure in your voice, just mentioning that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you won the year before, so. No, I didn't. I was dead last year before. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, because okay. remember I had every prospect, and then I traded them over the uh, off season. And then, season, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, um, I'm trying to I'm, I'm I'm trying to make a push for this year. Is that right? I, uh, I was six last year, but um, I I looked at my points per game and points per inning. Your rates were and good. Your rates were right very good. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, and I have your Matt Moore now, so uh, I'm all ready to go. You ready? I, to... I, I traded Tyler Skaggs, a, a cheap Tyler Skaggs, three or four dollars for a twenty-eight dollar Curtis Granderson. That was my, uh, my big going forward move. I don't really like uh, Tyler Skaggs that much. You're stating your intentions, though. Now, listen. Let me say. Let me ask you this. Um, because we're sort of transitioning to Ottawa here, which uh, makes sense. Uh, we're at a, a situation in Ottawa right now um, where – oh, my, yeah, my wife's going to work. Bye, sweetie. There she goes. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, we're at a situation right now where there is a deadline at uh, on January 31st, which is very soon. Um, and this uh-huh. is uh, the deadline which requires that we um, – I guess we finalize our rosters uh, uh, leading up to the auction, right? And uh, yeah. and, and I would say I would say that even if uh, this is happening to Auto New League, which is a specific fantasy universe, but maybe similar things are happening uh, like this in other fantasy uh, worlds as well. Uh, let's discuss it. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a time to uh, you know one thing that's interesting is that especially in leagues that are very active and have been have been sort of been working towards this moment. Um, you know, you can look at your at your roster and let's say I'm looking at my roster for my experts league on your team. And uh, I was twelfth last year. Um, and so you know I every time I look at it I'm like, God, what am I gonna do? You know, and I, I get really stressed about it. Um, and I look at my team and I every time I look at the roster organizer I'm like, who needs to be cut? Needs to be traded. What can I do? Um, and sometimes I get frustrated because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, you know, there's like maybe one or two moves I'm considering, and that's it. And I feel like, well, that's not going to do it to get me out of the cellar. But I've been working on this ever since I realized I wasn't going to win last year. And I've been dropping players and, and trading players. And so there's a lot of work that's already gotten you to this point. Um, and, you know, to get too stressed about it, um, well, takes us the fun out of it. It's supposed to be fun. Right. But also, you know, negate or sort of forget all the work that you've done. To, you know, how you should also look at how different your roster is from the year before and sort of remember what you've done to get here and sort of assess if you've done enough along the way rather than just look at it as if, the team you're looking at is the team that finished 12th last year. You know, right. The 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 um, the makeup, the the roster construction has changed. I, I would submit too. I I'm sure that part of the reason is uh, is to have fun. I would uh, I would also submit that part of the reason is to crush your opponents. 
<laughs> is that, that's reasonable. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's why we're doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, so this is a time, right, when when it, um, it, it is asked of us that we we make certain decisions uh, about our rosters. Um, I know that, for example, in Auto New, uh, one thing has changed is uh, uh, there was I don't know if you call it a loophole, but there was a, um, uh, given the way uh, that um, the, the league or the, the world was constructed, um, it would be, it was possible uh, to place r- uh, relief pitchers if they qualified as starters. So you could uh, load up um, all of your starting pitcher slots with relievers uh, because relievers tend, on average. Uh, to average more points per inning, uh, this was a this was a way to sort of um, roster a, l- a lesser quality player, or, you know, or a cheaper player, and uh, get more efficient uh, production out of him, more uh, and overall for your team. Uh, this uh, this is not a um, this is not a thing that can happen anymore. And I'm curious as to what you've seen or or if you've considered this how that's going to change the the um, the makeup the complexion of uh, certain teams and leagues. I think, yeah, I think it's, uh, well, first of all, mostly, mostly the way I play is that, um, I'm almost agnostic about the rules that, you know, once the rules are in place, I just find a way to manipulate them. I agree. So uh, I totally I, agree with you. I, yeah, I think the, the rules, right. You, you agree, as long as you, everyone agrees upon them beforehand, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, the exactly. Rules. And then the, and then the joy always is in, I think acquainting yourself with the rules, acquainting yourself to to most efficiently work with them to you know to to um, maximize your your roster and, and its you know its value. Right, and so I'm you know people decry this in some ways, but I'm always the guy who has a healthy guy in the DL slot until the very last moment, and um, you know I do stuff like that all the time because I just I'm maximizing my roster, but. Uh, you know, it was, I think it's mostly going to affect uh, the linear weights. Specifically, to auto news, this idea is going to affect the linear weights league the most because the best strategy was to to have um, a reliever in a starting spot, um, so you could throw as many relievers as possible and get those higher points per innings pitch um, sort of ratios out of your out of your staff while you're you didn't have a starter that day, so you could have as many as nine relievers going um, if you only had one starter going or whatever. But, you know, there weren't a ton of those. And so, you know, we're talking, we're probably talking about like 10 pitchers or so that were good enough um, as relievers that used to be starters that you could do. And, you know, I, you know, I don't know if we're, if we're just like starting a league from scratch, I think this is perhaps more fair just because, this is such a random thing, you know, and it's and it's and it's like a an eligibility thing. You're just sort of manipulating eligibility. It's not it's not necessarily a real life thing. Right now, it would seem to me um, as though at this point it would make more sense to. I mean, it's going to make sense to invest more money. Uh, per starting pitcher at this point, because or to have better, to have you know a, a deeper, um, uh, a deeper collection of starting pitchers. Because I know that uh, the, the strategy we're discussing, uh, I had this going all season. Um, every time, any day when, um, well, every you know, every day uh, for all of the spots on my among my starting pitcher slots that were not filled up um, with starters, those were going to be filled up with relievers, and. 
um, you know, it's a good way to sort of supplement your points and more than supplement, I mean, to really benefit it. But now looking at my roster, moving into this season, I had like, you know, I had like 13 relief pitchers um, and, you know, some of who some of who lost their starting eligibility. Uh, but otherwise, I, I'm realizing that, you know, it's not there's no benefit now to having really more than five, maybe, you know, maybe a six guy in case of injury or something like this. And meanwhile, um I'm thinking that the, I have to really focus on the the quality of my starters as well because you know maybe I had um, two guys who were really of uh, or three guys of any excellent quality now having six of them is going to be important. Yeah, uh, but I think that you could also shift the strategy uh, and still find some undervalued starters because the bench is so deep. So um, I think the spot starter can be owned more now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You could have a guy that's only going to be useful for 10 starts a year, but as long as you only use him for those 10 starts, you know. That's true, yeah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, looking at guys who might provide value in certain certain situations. For example, just like any... 40-man roster. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. So so what value, whatever value is taken away uh, in terms of the ability to leverage a player with a starting pitcher designation you know, a relief pitcher with a starting pitcher designation, whatever leverage you lose in that, whatever value is in that, you gain some back in the ability to have maybe more flexibility in your roster, which could also help with uh, on, the, on the hitting side too. Right, yeah, because those are actual, yeah, those are actual starters that you're going to put in for, for, for those relievers. And, you know, even if you don't use them 100% of the time, they're, they're going to have value to you. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Hey, listen, um, as you're in bed and uh, as, uh, you know, we've uh, – um, we've we've thoroughly uh, sung the praises of the products that we're <laughs> that we're selling. Um, I do want to ask you. We haven't we haven't done a fantasy podcast for a long time though. There have been a number of deals, as there are every off season. There have been a lot of deals this off season, and um, we can do one of two things here. Uh, I'll let you choose. This will be a choose your own adventure uh, fantasy related question. You know, Saris. Other A, we could talk about a recent deal, for example, the Upton deal, uh, the deal that sent Justin Upton uh, to the Atlanta Braves for, um, and Chris Johnson, I should say, uh, for uh, Marty Prado, um, et cetera. Uh, we could talk about that, or if you'd like, maybe uh, what the offseason maneuvers have done in terms of perhaps um, creating the largest impact to a certain player's value, whether it's you know moving leagues, moving ballparks, or maybe um, – a player, you know, who was left. He, he um, you know, a guy ahead of him in the depth chart has left, and now it creates an open space for him, uh, and you know, allowing him to uh, to play something closer to full time. Well, I choose both. Okay. Because uh, I think that would be fun with it just to sort of highlight, sort of quickly maybe the different players that got affected the most. I think uh, the big winner in the Upton trade is Adam Eaton, um, and not not the terrible pitcher. Um, Adam Eaton uh, is a sort of patience and speed uh, and defense center fielder uh, for Arizona, and the, 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 what he brings to the table, there, there isn't really in that uh, Arizona outfield. Uh, Cody Ross is not really a center fielder, and, and, and Cara is not even really a center fielder. So I think um, you know, they came out and said that they want to give their players four to 500 at-bats each in the outfield, um, if any of them is heavy, um, on the heavy side of that, I almost think it was Eaton because he's got the best defense. Um, we'll, we'll see how much they value that. But um, I'm excited about him for steals and patience. Um, 
And uh, you, wait, if I could interject, his uh, his Zips projection, uh, which uh, just came out this week, uh, is rather optimistic. I think uh, even before before Upton left, he was he was projected as having the fourth highest WAR on the team. Um, that that comes with a, a lot of plate appearances. I guess he's been rather healthy as a minor leaguer, but uh, yeah, uh, on base percentage around 360, uh, 33 uh, stolen bases are, are things that would uh, appeal to. Um, different kinds of fantasy owners. But, um, yeah, he also seems to probably to have the ability to hover around uh, 270, 280, maybe 280 um, while still in bases. So uh, uh, a great, uh, great deal of optimism there from the, his projection. Yeah, I think as all, as we've involved in a lot of uh, kind of the king-making this offseason because trading away Trevor Bauer, I think, was uh, going to be a positive for him. I know it's going to the American League, which is tougher, but, uh, getting him out of the uh, that ballpark in Arizona, he's kind of a we've seen this before. We've you know seen analysis about it. About you know, he's a high high fastball um, pitcher and he doesn't mind fly balls and stuff like that. So I think that Cleveland is a much better fit in terms of ballpark. It's a power suppressing ballpark, and then uh, just the knowledge that you know that Cleveland is going to just give him every chance that he can get. Um, whereas he seemed to. One out his welcome in Arizona somehow. I, I mean, I know he had his own ideas about how to pitch and how to train, but I can't believe it that can't believe it was so awesome that you know that a team would sort of jettison him. They must love T. Gregorius, but it, it seems like a you know I was talking to um, somebody at a team and they just said that Towers really uh, put his nuts on the line. I mean, he he took his best prospect and his best uh, his highest ceiling um, position player and he traded them for what most of the industry is saying is uh, not the greatest return so he's saying I know more than you watch these guys fail and watch these these guys that I got um, succeed and if that doesn't work I mean I feel like it's, it's a very obvious the thing that happened, everyone can point to it, and if it doesn't work, then he loses. Yeah, right. And I guess it's it's an interesting situation. I mean, this is a real life aspect of it. Maybe um, you, there's obviously going to be a difference between what that team would do if they played a thousand simulated seasons versus what they're going to do uh, this season, which is just which would be you know one. You know, hypothetically, one data point so far as that's concerned, because you're only going to get going to get one win loss uh, record out of this team, and and as we you know, I mean, as happens every year, it's not necessarily representative of that team's true talent. So they could either play much worse, and uh, you know, than their than their true talent, and and Kevin Towers as well. You know, I thought they were really good, and then they had a bad season, or they could play much better, and you know, the 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 narrative instantly would be that Kevin Towers knew precisely what he was doing. Um, but I think, right. you know, the standard... Well, he you know, might have more than one year, so he might have a right. couple iterations. Towers but, is a, uh, has been... I, I, I know that um, we've discussed this before, like, in part, um, as a as a fantasy owner, I mean, depending on, you know, the strength of your league or whatever, uh, part of the... Um, it, there, there's some value in understanding um, both the, the manager and the front office uh, of the team, Um for, for the player you, you are, you're looking at, right? And it's always going to, to you know, inform his role to some degree. Um, certain teams, like you mentioned, the Indians are probably more likely to give Trevor Bauer um, an, an extended um, 
run because that uh, maybe you know they don't plan on being quite as competitive immediately. Um, also, you know, Bowers, uh, his um, you know fly ball uh, profile is you know is maybe going to play better in that stadium. Uh, but with regard to Towers, Towers is an interesting one. I mean, I I know generally speaking, any time any relief pitcher that Towers acquires. That for me uh, mentally increases that relief pitcher's value. I don't. I think that the Heath Bell acquisition is testing that theory. Um, but for years in San Diego, every uh, every relief pitcher they ever called up, it wasn't just um, it, it wasn't just like the ERAs being deflated. It was crazy strikeout walk ratios as well. And you know, since arriving in, in Arizona, he's done uh, he's done very good things for that bullpen too. But Towers, his um, dealings with position players, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, they're. There maybe it's a little bit more checkered. Yeah, I mean, I just think it is. It is very interesting the thing about the, the GM. I, I mean, I'm not to sort of not answer your question, <laughs> but um, I, I was just thinking about the day the Cardinals list came out, and um, you know, everyone's looking at Oscar Tavares' list right now, and they look really exciting, and you know, everyone's. I think he's probably number one or number two, um, uh, you know, it's Henry Will Myers. And, and, and that actually brings up Tampa Bay, too. He's, here are the two best team prospects in the minors, and, and everyone's going to get really excited about them. But we know that the Cardinals, how the Cardinals work. Um, I had this piece that they have the oldest debuts um, since 2000. So we know that they tend towards waiting. We know that they're a competitive team. It's hard to crack the lineup. You can, you can see it with sort of Alan Craig how long it took him to get in there. Um, and we know that there's a full outfield in, 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 um, in St. Louis. And even if you look at Tampa, where there's, there's an, this whole uh, waiting for Will Myers, um, the, the, the background of that front office test that they're probably going to wait, they're probably going to want to maximize the arbitration years, and he may not get a full season. Uh, he probably won't get a full season. I think they might have even come out and said that. So, um you know, this is where real life and, and fantasy inter, uh, analysis interact. You have to you you do have to think about how the general managers work. You do, you do. Uh, you know, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you've reached uh, the 30 minute threshold here, uh, and I think that that means that you have uh, fulfilled your obligations uh, to Fangraphs Audio. How does it feel? Uh, I feel like a winner. I'm still in bed. <laughs> This is crack fantasy analysis. Um, yeah, this is it was a, it was a little bit of a drowsy episode. Um, we didn't mention, hey. uh, from my point of view, from my point of view, it's still early, <laughs> still early in the Middle West too. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I know, but I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. They, you know, every every uh, like a snowflake, like a snowflake, you know, every episode, um, you know, has its own personality, its own uh, its own design. They're all like snowflakes. That's, they're all unique. This is sort of a paradox. They're all unique. They're all unique. They're all unique to themselves. Yeah, like fingerprints, like <laughs> snowflakes. Yeah, like uh, like every every batch of uh, nano brewed beer. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, I saw you uh, mentioned that you had to trade. You don't get founders uh, in on the West Coast. Yes, I, uh, founders and bells are hard for us to find. Yeah, I, I, and I, I chimed in. I um, on Twitter, I, you had mentioned that, and I, I was actually because uh, my brother-in-law lives in Grand Rapids, 
lives in Grand Rapids, oh. Michigan. Yeah, and so I found myself not just once, but uh, consecutive days at the at the found, uh, Founders Brewery. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was fun. You got some breakfast stout. Did you have some seasonal? They must have had some nice stuff there. Uh, yeah, I did have I did have the breakfast stout. I might have might have. Uh, more than one glass, you know. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, it's kind of, it's actually a nice facility. Uh, Grand Rapids is a weird city. We can talk about this at some other point. But um, <clears throat> they have um, – you, you know, they give you peanuts, yeah. Peanuts and beer together, it's kind of magical. Um, <laughs> the tastes are so complimentary, and then you can just throw the uh, – just throw the shells on the ground. It's okay. That's all right. Mm. We had a bar uh, – at Stanford, the, the the big dive bar that everybody went to was called the Nut House, and the the ground was just nuts. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And actually, just a little piece of news: um, beers and growth replacement took a little lurch forward. Um, we have a uh, chief technical officer in charge of beers and growth replacement, and we have applied for the API from Untapped in order to get a stream of all the beer ratings from Untapped. Um, and uh, we're working towards the framework. Oh, to get actual – this would be actual feedback from uh, from listeners for, or drinkers, drinkers of yeah, beers. This yeah, this is the actual, actual ratings that we would use to, to create a framework for beers of overplacement. And you have a CTO. Um, Who's your CTO? <laughs> I can't. I can't out him. You can't, you can't divulge uh, it? I, I mean, shoot, I don't know. Maybe I will in the future, but I haven't asked him. But uh, – yeah, he's a he's a good guy, and uh, he's willing to uh, to play along for a little bit. We'll, those see, numbers we'll see what happens. Well, I do know that it, that that idea does seem to appeal to people um, people who like um, uh, baseball stats and beer, and the overlap is uh, pretty substantial. Yeah, it's almost a full circle on the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. I think it does not include our managing editor Dave Cameron. It does not include no. him. Yeah. No, <laughs> but he seems to take some pleasure in watching people drink and uh, you know and make fools. I don't know what like. kind of pleasure that is because yeah, being not drunk around drunk people is terrible. Well, I think if you're used to it, it's not horrible. I I will say uh, um, you do reach a a, thre- a point at which you become unbearable, but before that, you're fine. Uh, are we still recording? Oh, we are. Yeah, we're still recording. Hey, listen, we'll continue this offline. But listen, you know, it's uh, thank you very much for participating. Thank you. All right, that's Eno Saris, the uh, what are you, editor of Rotographs? Is that your title? Yeah. What is it? You go, editor of Rotographs. And, yeah. and head, head dude in charge. Head dude in charge of uh, I'm Carson Testuli. This has been Fairgraphs Audio. <laughs>